Welcome to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Shyla. And we're thriving in a small town. It's caffeinated and Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink! Hey Shyla, how's it going today? Hey, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, have got to say I'm representing with some iced caramel macchiato today. Full caffeinated, so good oh luck, boy. my friend. Good All luck. right. Well, I'm I'm excited to hear what flies out of your mouth. This is good. Right? <laughs> you never know what you get. I have to admit, um, my my friend and and boss Dave uh, absolutely loves when I drink caffeine. He actually pumps me up with it before he sends me like into certain meetings and stuff because he's like, sometimes the truth needs to fly, and I need <laughs> it. it. Needs to be there. <laughs> and today's a day, and it needs to be there. So he's like, yeah, here you go, buddy. So so who knows what's going to happen today? But this is actually a great episode for me to be the truth, a, a truth teller for sure, Um, because we're going to talk all about what we learned from the crazy jobs we've had in our lives, right? And our our young interviewee today is going to share with us some of what she's learning in her early career, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Jasmine, um, what was the worst job pre-professional? Let's talk about pre-professional jobs. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So what was the worst pre-professional job you have had? So first of all, I want to I just want to qualify that worst is clearly also not the worst of the world. Like I know that there's a million right. jobs out there that are so much worse, <laughs> but probably the worst job I ever had um I the worst job I ever had, I actually worked for Subway for four hours one time. And this makes me sound like a complete yeah. and total brat. Like, I am, you know me, I am not the kind of person who, like, quits a job. I will keep a commitment, like, through thick and thin. If I've told you I'm going to be there, I am there kind of a deal. But um, Subway wanted me to work 10 at night to 2 in the morning in a shop. And remember, this is back in the late 90s. Like, this is not now kind of a deal. Yeah. Um, and they wanted me to, like, prepare subs and get things ready and serve customers from 10 at night to 2 in the morning by myself uh, in the union deposit area. And my dad was like, that is not going to be a thing. This is not smart. You are not going to be in the shop by yourself doing your thing, you know, everything, all of that. And the very next day, um, Toys R Us called me and offered me a job in the to be like the baby, <laughs> yes. the baby retail section person. And I, so I called Subway and was like, hi, I'll give my like two week notice, but like I'm not doing that. And they were like, no, they were like, you're going to have to pay for your Subway polo. But other than that, like just let's separate ways bye-bye kind of deal you were the proud owner of a subway polo for a while huh i was and it was red at the time and i don't know where that is but god i'd love to have that i do still have my hershey park name tag though so i'll have to dig that out but yeah Yeah. so that was like the worst ever you know just because one i think it was solitary and not really necessarily safe for me to be myself but like i'm a people person me working 10 to 2 in the middle of the night is probably not the best use of my skills Yeah, yeah that's that's a that's a rough one for sure yeah Yeah. how about you what was the worst what's the worst employment you ever had there oh boy okay uh so I would probably have to say that uh between college and grad school the summer between college and grad school I um had very limited options and ended up ended up having to move back to my parents house uh before heading to grad school in the fall and I couldn't find a job because it was just for the summer and my parents live near Altoona and it's not super dense like here uh in in the Hershey area you know you you have tourism and that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. like you can pick up a summer job without any any problem which is kind of why I love living here because when my kids are 14 like they are getting out and they're gonna find well, some jobs they're gonna to work with for the Hershey Park like or, everyone yeah. does <laughs> exactly. we will have to talk about my Hershey Park yes. job at some point then because it was a trip yeah 
Yeah, so I had a really hard time finding a job, and what I found was uh, working in a cookie factory. I um, remember these days. I remember yeah. this. I knew you then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was um, so wow. That was that was trying for a couple of reasons. One, I felt like if I was going to be paid, then I should probably be working. But I learned very quickly that that's not factory life. Like you mm-hmm. don't do that. So like I would leave when they were trying to like get the cookie machine like unclogged or whatever um i would go and help pack cookies or whatever and like i just became very heated very quickly so mm-hmm. um i did not enjoy that job plus i was paid a criminally low amount of money like it was beyond so eventually i just was like you know what i'm i'm not gonna return but thanks so much for the opportunity i, right. I think i left a couple weeks early and uh yeah i was like yeah. Oh, yeah i worked there that was that was great worked is a good word in that circumstance so yeah that was probably yeah. my worst it's tough well, in those circumstances yeah. right because like you want to fulfill your job you want to do your thing but you're also conscious of like the value of the work you're giving versus the value that it's adding to your life or not you know yeah Um, I'm I'm watching my son with this right now you know he's he's a a college student and he you know he jumps around to to the pieces that will provide him like the most income but he's also really conscious of how much effort that's taking or how much scheduling that's taking so it's it's interesting to watch all those pieces and all that stuff while we're talking about the pre-professional time what's what's a job you had that maybe did provide you some skills that you didn't realize were going to benefit your your professional life later Yeah, great question. Uh, So I think there were probably two standout. One was pretty like overtly like this is this is going to help Mm -hmm. you. But um, the the first one was uh, my time in college relations. And I know we talked about this before. (laughs) That's because you're the best supervisor ever. (laughs) That's right. Uh, But yeah, I mean, so many of the things that I learned there are so applicable to what I do. So, you know, just kind of being a hand in event planning. Um, So uh, planning for president mcdonald's um what's the word i'm looking for when he inauguration uh, there you go (laughs) sorry not enough caffeine yet um yeah so his inauguration like i was i was pretty hands-on with that remember the nine thousand robes i steamed before i do remember that that and keeping them all straight and making sure people had planned (laughs) because if you get to the day of and their their robe isn't there that's the bigger issue right yeah yeah Yeah. so that was interesting excuse me uh doing photo shoots and just kind of the whole plethora of things that i was exposed to that had nothing to do with anything that i was doing Sheet management, uh, yes. as I recall, was a huge part of that because yes, yeah. I you were you were trying to like keep our office so well informed of what was coming in and requested and made and who was going to appear and and all of those things and you know you wanted to make sure we had the information and so it, and this was kind of like back in the day when spreadsheets were a thing for sure but we weren't yeah. we didn't have collaborative documents in a cloud like we do now and so right yeah yeah and the uh, all the photos we were putting those mm-hmm. into a spreadsheet and trying to f- so we you guys had quick access when you needed something so yeah. That was definitely a job that I'm like, I borrow things from what I learned all the time. Uh, the second job that I had uh, was um, when I when I was in Pittsburgh working on my master's degree. I was uh, I interned um, with a subcontracted agency with the Erie Agency on Aging um, in Pittsburgh, and I was linked up with uh, a woman, Ginny, who was just phenomenal. And we actually provided social work services in uh, senior high rises. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I was kind of in the geriatric track when I first started my master's degree. Um, and uh, I, 
I just loved that for so many reasons. Um, it was kind of my first foray into mental health because at that time um, it had just changed, the senior high rises had just changed uh, federally to require 20% of individuals be, uh, not meet the age requirement, but a disability requirement. Um, um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times the folks who were living there um, had maybe physical and or mental health disabilities. So um, it was really fascinating work. Um, and it was like, it yeah, it just uncovered a lot for me. So mm-hmm. the range of senior high rises in a city, like some of them being really great, um, the little uh, like um, hierarchies that are created within a social uh, place like that mm-hmm. and like how they actually had like voted representative. Like there was just a lot to it. So I learned yeah. a lot in, in uh, that year internship. I really loved it a lot. So um, yeah, definitely, definitely want two of the really cool things that I were, was able to do. How about you? You have a, a good amount of wacky kind of put together. I do. Uh, and yeah. I do have a good, a, back, a good wacky amount of different like stuff. You know, I, I talked a little about Toys R Us and that that was a really interesting experience because like I literally got a paycheck that had like a paw print from Jeffrey the giraffe like you know it was kind of crazy and it was like it was just really interesting in that way but I was like a really really young mother and I got to work in the baby section and yes it was stocking and yes it was this and that but it was also like I was it it was the first time in my life that I was like sort of like paid for my knowledge though because like I could answer questions to like crazed new parents who were like I will pay you a million dollars if you can tell me that the stroller will keep my child safe and I'd be like well that's not quite how it works but let's talk about the benefits of Graco versus blah blah (laughs) you know and so I think it was one of the first times I really had this experience where I could like take my knowledge and and spin that into like really good customer service and really good relationship building and I never like I didn't have that idea at the time but I also had some cool like opportunities through it like one day my boss came up to me and I was literally like this random like I was going to college so I was like you know putting stuff on shelves answering questions like just general stuff and he was like hey so like I was just reading the study that was like, you know, apparently in advertising, people listen to female voices more than male voices. And so we were like, would you record like um, announcements for the store that like go on the WTOY, which was like the in-house like radio station in the Toys R Us? (laughs) It was crazy. So like I did this voiceover work that like, you know, like was in the store then and that kind of stuff. Or like they would have all kinds of cool incentive things that were like, you know, if you picked a product that you thought would sell well that month you stocked it correctly and then they'd have a competition for whose product you selected in the store like one so it like was really cool for me to see how like corporate could like boil down to like loyalty at your store and I kept that job for way longer than I probably should have all through college and even the the other job I'll tell you about during college that I learned so much from I actually kept them and had them overlap a little bit which was a little bit crazy but just because the way they paid a little bit of attention to me and gave me the opportunity to sort of like make a difference even in this giant corporate Toys R Us world like was super cool. Yeah. But at the same time, I was working for a family-owned restaurant called Ulrich's, which is kind of funny if you think about it with you. Um, and it was owned by my high school best friend Jenny's family. Um, her uncle Leon owned it, and they had two restaurants at one point. And then it was kind of like, I would often describe it as like a friendlies for old people. Like we had the I same customers this. who came in every week. Like I worked on Sundays, and like they would assume I knew like who got a half decaf, half hot water, and who wanted me to still have have jelly with their bread even though it was after two o'clock and like there was all this like stuff where I you know I really got to like relate with these customers and get to know them and you know they always had like what were the Sunday 
and dinner specials and that kind of deal. And it was really interesting for me because I loved being a server and a hostess for a very long time, but I knew that it was the motivation that I didn't want to do that for a lifetime kind of a deal. So through college, it was really great to have that motivation. But at the same time, I was learning some really valuable, like, interpersonal skills. Like, you know, even things like one of the biggest mess ups of my life ever. Um, I had a couple that would come in every week. Uh, They were probably, like, in their late 70s, early 80s. They always ate the same thing. He always had, I can still remember, he always had a hot dog, um, you know, with relish on the side and coffee. And it was, like, this thing I would always remember. And he came in one week and I was like, oh, where's your wife? Isn't she joining you today? And he was like, "Um, she's never going to be joining me again. She passed away this week. And it just reminded me of like how you can't take anything for granted in a conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, and how he was sweet. He didn't take anything of it. You know, it was fine. But how like I then kind of had to watch his life continue on, you know, in this kind Mm -hmm. of way. And it just reminded me that like when you ask someone how they are, really mean it. Like, and when you greet somebody, do it in a way that you don't make an assumption of where they are, you know, kind of a deal. Like, and so I think, you know, you keep bringing up this thing that I never realized before this podcast about how I really try to be an intentional listener and um, can catch myself when I'm not kind of a deal. And I think it goes back to the skills of working at Ulrich's restaurant, you know, kind of a deal. Um, When when the restaurant went out of business, I mourned it and I mourned it just as much for what I wasn't going to learn there anymore as much as as the people I wouldn't see. You have to have a good server experience once, you know, a restaurant experience. I worked at a restaurant uh, all Mm -hmm. through high school. So yeah. the things right? you learn, for the sure. The things yeah. you learn. So I know we're going to get on to hearing about a very different job from, from Rosemary today that she has um, in, in New York City. So very different from the work from the, the work that we do. But I do have one other question for you, Shiloh, which is, yeah. is there a job or an experience you wish you had had along the way? Like, and I'm not talking about the big glamorous, like, I wish I was a Broadway star. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, is there something that you're like, oh, that's a job that I could have had, like, in my community or along the way that I was always, like, that would have been a, a really interesting, fun one to do. Oh, that's a really good question. I don't think I've ever thought about this before. <laughs> <gasps> I try to challenge you. I super you're do. You're taking me by surprise. I, know. Uh, I don't know. Let me think of that. Is there something that you have in mind that like you would have loved to have done? You know. I don't because like you said I've had I had this crazy I worked at Hershey Park as a teenager but I didn't actually work for Hershey Park I worked in Airbrush which was like awesome because they were contractors so I made like t-shirts and and that kind of stuff so that was like cool and I worked for in politics for a while so I've had a like a lot of really great things like that I think if there was something that I wish I had experience in at some point just because I think I could have learned an appreciation for it is I never really had a job where I had to like physically apply myself in like a construction way or in something that was literally about a little bit less about my knowledge and a little bit more about like accomplishing Mm. physically doing something. I know when I watched my son do this a few summers back, like I couldn't believe how much not only did he physically transform because he was lifting, toting, doing things in such a different way, but how that ability to sort of turn off like if you're not there to physically do that piece you know, you have to turn it off. And I've never had a yeah. job that I could like totally just turn off kind of a thing. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I do miss that. That when I worked at the psychiatric hospital, um, mm-hmm. that was the one really great benefit was when I clocked out, I left and I left mm-hmm. my job there. So I didn't have my email connected to my phone. I didn't have any of that stuff. So, you know, when I left that 
I clocked out. I was I was kind of away from all of those things. So yes, there are days when I, I long for the ability to, to not be so hyper connected to everything I do. And I know you have the same same thing going on. Yeah. And I'm and I can't imagine because I'm sure that when you return home, you know, at the end of your day, your day never ends because, you know, feeding people is mm-hmm. not a a nine to five job, that's for sure. And all the planning and, and the customer uh, relations and the client relations that goes into that. I'm sure you do long for those days for sure. Do you ever get the opportunity to completely like shut down even when you go on vacation or something? Do you feel, you know, like disconnected at all? I try to. Actually, the best thing that we can do is to go to the cabin that we have up mm-hmm. in Tioga County. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no cell phone reception there, so and there's no TV, and so it's kind <laughs> of it's a nice way to be able to completely break away from from everything. So yeah, yeah, I, it's it's tough because even when I am on vacation, you know, there's still stuff that needs to be attended to, and it's gotten better um, since having um, Kenzie. Uh, around but it's still it's still a challenge for sure yeah yeah for sure we're all there though you know it's it's the the great benefit of technology and also the great downfall right is that absolutely kind of always always there so so I wanted to know um have you ever had a wacky side hustle um I have so had so many wacky side hustles because you know I actually like (laughs) love the side hustle like I think it's just so fun to like moonlight doing other things um you know, you know, theater has been a part of my life for so very long. And through that comes sometimes the weirdest opportunities and the weirdest stuff. Um, but yeah, so one time I had the side hustle where pretzel time, like the people in the mall who like like a pretzel making place, <laughs> they needed um, young actors to play like um, customers to do training videos. And it was so long ago that they were actually produced on like VHS tape. Like I have a VHS oh, tape in this somewhere. And you yeah. had to do every tape twice. You had to do it once that they showed in black and white where it was like you were like the bad worker and you like were a mess and disheveled and like how you did that and then you would retake it and you would follow all the protocols correctly and it was like in color and everything was happy and you had smiles so that was a really funny like one-time side hustle little deal um and like I said I have VHS to prove it how about you Shyla? I, I am that. betting a million dollars that you've had some really fun side hustles for sure um yeah, I was just trying to think like, well, of course, I had my my eBay side hustle for a number yes. of years, which was mm-hmm. uh, pretty lucrative for us and, and uh, paid some, you know, college debt and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But um, I was thinking through like some of the weird stuff that I've gotten myself into a uh, paid and, and not. Um, and some of my favorite times, like just in, in terms of like funny um, was Hershey Park offers uh, nonprofits the ability to go and volunteer. You get paid. Uh, in Hershey Park passes mm-hmm. so you can go in for free and then the organization you volunteer for gets paid six dollars per hour mm-hmm. and so I'll go and volunteer just to get a couple of passes so when friends and family come to yeah, town absolutely. we can take them over to the park and the way that people interact with you is so fascinating like I'm clearly a 30 something year old female mm-hmm. um, who shouldn't be quote shouldn't be working a ride um, on a Friday night kind of thing <laughs> buckling and in so, those kids and helping them yeah. figure out how to ring the <laughs> like and I I had one guy come up to me and was like um so is this like a part-time thing for you? And I was like, oh, oh, we're judging Listen to like your that. judgment. No, I'm working yeah. hard and doing good and making an impact. And step it back, buddy. Yeah. Get back yeah, in your so bumper I, car. I told him, I told him about what, yeah, t- mm-hmm. we were working the swings that night. Oh. Um, so I told him about the program and he was like, oh, he's like, you just looked a little too like, 
smart for that or something I like that's I don't so unfair and so <laughs> judgy I know like that like yeah. this guy will hear this now and he'll think I was judging him now but yeah no like um Hershey Park and, and the entertainment work that's in our area is so unbelievably valuable and I so I know so many people who have such incredible careers helping and doing and keeping things safe so yeah step no, it back. I think it's fun yeah for sure. well so I'm excited I did just accept the position as an enumerator for the census um one because I believe in the work of the census but mm-hmm. two I just I'm I'm kind of excited to see the a lot of the screening questions were about my ability to um, <laughs> d- to deflect conflict, and yes. I was like, "Why are they asking so many questions like this?" And then I was like, "Oh, people don't want you knocking no, on the door, and especially like, now. I don't know how this is going to go over." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure I'll have some funny stories to relate share um, with us related your stories. to my my mm. job as an enumerator. We'll see if you know. It's it's a it's an experiment. It may not last. Who knows? But it'll be an extra. I can't wait to hear about service. it. Yeah. Just like I can't yeah. wait for everyone to hear our interview today. Do you want to talk a little bit about our interviewee? Yeah, so I'm excited that we were able to capture Rosemary, uh, Rosemary being your daughter and yeah. uh, someone who I've known for a very long time. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited because, uh, she, you know, she's doing such great work in a big city and how that can be related back to uh, the small towns that she's affecting, even though she's home-based mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a big city, right? Um, so, yeah, she's... Um, She's got a lot of a lot of good skills and wisdom for such a young age, which I'm sure was imparted by her mother, right? Oh, I don't know. I think it's definitely the Shiloh in her life for sure. So, but um, I don't know about that. Yeah, but it's no. been really neat to watch, and I'm excited too um, to share all of the the interesting experiences that she's had at such a young age, and um, it's super cool yeah. for us to still in today's day and age be able to have such a connection, and she can still have such an effect on the the small town that she came from. So absolutely, and what I love about this is. Excuse me. She's really great evidence that we, you know, when we tell kids that you like, you can work where you want to work mm-hmm. and you can do things professionally. So kids who are really interested in theater, like she's living that out and it is a good testimony to, you know, you can, you can make a career out of something that you're passionate about, which is, I think a huge takeaway. Absolutely. And, and turning that passion into a career and not compromising it. Um, absolutely. And so uh, I think it's a great message, but you're totally on there, Shiloh. Like, you know, live your passions and um, and you can make a big difference in the world while really doing what you love, for sure. Yeah, it's great. So we'll turn it over to Rosemary here. So today on our podcast, we have a great interviewee. In fact, I would like to say she's probably my favorite, but I might be a little biased. And I know, Shyla, you may be a little biased too. It's possible. Bias is okay here. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we are thrilled to welcome Rosemary Booker to our podcast today. Um, She lives in New York City, and she's going to tell you a little bit about more about that. Um, But yeah, so welcome, Rosemary. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you know Shyla? I think you're both incredibly biased because you are my mother and you are my childhood babysitter and I've known you for most of my life since you met my mom. Mm-hmm. So, Very true. Many, many moons mm-hmm. ago, for sure. And so, yeah, Shiloh's been well, a big part of our life. We all need cheerleaders in our lives, right? We absolutely. Need good yeah, As my so. children used to say when they would go to birthday parties, everybody needs a Shiloh, right? Yeah, so, oh, baby yeah. Aaron. Yeah, oh, baby Aaron. Baby Aaron. Not true. <laughs> so, Rosemary, you are here visiting from New York City. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what you do there? That would be really helpful. Sure. I live in New York. I live in Queens, but I work in Manhattan. Um, I am a licensing coordinator at Concord Theatricals, which is the world's biggest 
musical and play publisher. So I help drama teachers all over the US and Canada and in some places of Mexico choose their plays and musicals and make sure that they are compliant with federal copyright law and their performance agreement with us. So it is never ever boring. My elevator pitch for my job is that I'm a therapist for drama teachers. And you've had a lot of work <laughs> as of late, even more so than your typical therapy, because as we know, uh, with COVID-19, mm -hmm. so many schools have had to postpone or cancel their productions. And so you are literally the person that they had to speak to all across the US. If I had been doing one of your properties this year, I would have needed to speak with you as well, yeah, right? So. so yeah. There are a few of us. That was very in sync. We have very similar voices and very similar inflections, so sometimes that was... Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe good. so. Unison, we do. It does happen. It does. Yeah, Rosemary, <laughs> I, I love how you kind of describe yourself as like sort of uh, several things all in one job. So how did you get to where you are? Like, you know, you're kind of a jack of all trades. You have a, there's a legal piece. There's a like helping to understand what talents and, and things and assets uh, school brings. And there's a legal piece and all of those things. So t talk a little bit about your job and how you got there. I'm a giant nerd and I don't sleep much. <laughs> Aside from that, retweet, I get it. I am very nerdy and read a lot and have always loved theater and grew up in the theater because of my mom. First performing and then directing and producing and then I moved to Boston and I went to grad school for arts administration and I learned that I did a lot of little things and a little bit of a lot of things and and a little a, a lot of little things that that grow into enormous and huge things right and so that's part of the things that we talk about a lot of time is that all of these efforts come together to make these monumental things and mm -hmm. to make real differences I mean you you joke about that you're a therapist for theater teachers across the country and, and around the world to a point um, but in all seriousness you're truly supporting them and trying to help them get to the best for their students you know um, and and that that is a lot of, of what we believe in as well of course is that and that you've seen your whole life as you've been growing up around us is that all of these small efforts can do so much um one of the questions i have for you though is this podcast is about thriving in a small town and you are thriving in this gigantic town but in a lot of ways even though you're living in new york city you're still having a, a touch point on this town and in that way can you talk to us a little bit about like what has changed for you in that and how you've been able to keep that relationship um and and, and if is that important to you Sure, it's a very different place here than when I was living here. We moved here when I was seven, eight, somewhere around there, and it's very different because my family's role in the community has changed. You now direct the high school musical. My dad has always worked at the high school, but my brother went through school here, and it's just evolved and changed in how we interact with the community. So I feel like more people know me here now than did when I actually lived here. So uh, between working with your kids and knowing your kids, I babysat your kids here and yeah. there once upon a time, yeah. mm -hmm. full circle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a different place. Do you find it easy to walk in and out of that? I mean, I'm thinking about like, we spent New Year's Eve, we went to the Karen cupboard and helped with inventory. And now that you've been home during this, the, the pandemic, we've been going to help with the private packing parties. Do you, is that is that enjoyable for you? Is that easy for you to step in and out of, of doing that type of service in the community that isn't necessarily yours sure. anymore? It depends on the day. I find that I do service for this community, even though I'm not here. I mean, you and I spent a lot of time on FaceTime and talking about things because I produce your shows. We spend a lot of time talking about how our actions impact your community at large, whether it's your audience of people coming to see your show or just your students mm -hmm. and what opportunities they have. So I find that I'm engaged with it constantly, but when I'm physically here, it's like, oh yes, I've been working 
behind the scenes for months. You just didn't see me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. that... My students are so terribly aware of that. You know what I mean? They they know how often you have your hand in something because they, they get access to, to having author talks or they their parents will say to us, like when we do our community skip, uh, script reads, that the whole community can take part in. You know, they'll, they'll know that you had a piece in that. Um, do you... Do you think about that, like when you're off in the big city, of how you can use your talents to still benefit what's happening here in this town, or do you just sort of see it as like your person who benefits the world and wherever it falls, it falls, kind of a deal? I do, just because I'm a big relationship person, as I know you guys are too, and I'm constantly thinking not just about this yeah. community, but all the different many communities like this that I work with across the nation. How can I help this group? Is it by suggesting this story at this time because I know they just went through this traumatic thing, or you know what they just had this really really funny show they did i think i can throw them a curveball and that this is something that would challenge their community so it's something that i'm constantly thinking about what is the story we can be telling that community to bring something new out of them and for you guys for palmyra the the community that i grew up in and still work with a lot it's how can i insert myself into that story and help your story so i'm constantly looking for ways to aid different people it's a little bit different for yours yeah that's that's pretty yeah. cool something that i want to go back to that strikes me is rosemary you talked about being in boston and doing a lot of little things and a lot of big things and, and you know kind of how that uh, adds to your story and when i was at lebanon valley college how i met jasmine was by well, working in college relations me. that's right <laughs> um but you know i i didn't ever think that like helping on photo shoots would ever be anything like as a social worker that I would ever care about. But how that has translated into having an ability to do so many things. And so talk a little bit about that. Like you're, you're kind of young, doing an amazing job in a big city. Um, how has your little little kind of experiences that you were like, oh, I'll never use that chalked up to being, uh, you know, respected in your community of, of theater? I or? have done the things that I'm talking to people about. So when I went to LVC, because all three of us are Dutch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I went to LVC, uh, we had a wonderful student-run theater company that was co-curricular, which is a really unique opportunity that I feel like not a lot of undergrads have, where everything was fully produced by the students, but this college mm-hmm. had oversight over all of it. It was the college theater program. So we had a say in every single part of it, from budgeting, and I... I directed two shows there, and then I moved to Boston, and I worked at a theater that did science plays specifically, which was very different for me. Science plays. Science plays. They worked with MIT a lot, (laughs) and so they were constantly trying to figure out how to engage that audience in Cambridge, and it was a real challenge for me to be like, great, what story can we tell that brings the scientists out? Uh, And I did a lot of board (laughs) relations there, and I helped plan. They did a children's festival and I helped plan that it's like how am I ever going to use interesting that I have all of these board members dietary allergies and restrictions I have all of that memorized what is this possibly going to teach me but now when I'm advising a community theater or any organization I know how their bylaws work I know mm-hmm. what their funding structures are like because I've done that work mm-hmm. I know the little minutiae that gets in the way and how that's something that's very important to them sometimes you don't want to poison your board director sure you want to make sure you know what their allergies are so you serve the right mm-hmm. well you don't want to and you, and you want their support right you, you know yeah. constantly it's, right you, want, you don't want just the physically poison them but yes. you don't want to poison yeah. their support yeah. either metaphorically you're right metaphorically. Support. yeah metaphorically no but it's something that i realized i like doing all of these things and i was very good at talking about them so my master's is in arts administration which at the time in the field and it was only 
what, five years ago, four or five years ago, but it's changed a whole lot. It was very nonprofit focused, which is something that's very mm-hmm. important to you guys and very important mm-hmm. to me. Uh, and for mm-hmm. profit was very, was seen as very bad sometimes when we were learning about how arts worked. Well, I became very good at talking about how nonprofit and for profit are interchangeable and how they work and how there are different options for different organizations and how we have Absolutely. to work together. Yeah. And nonprofit doesn't mean that you don't have enough money to function. Mm-hmm. Preach, preach. It yes. means a business model. It's a it tax exemption, a- right? Exactly. It's not a business model. We talked about that a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's always driving, you know, Well, what there we has to be is, the sustainability, yeah. right? You know, like we, we always joke like in the arts about where like everybody's like, let's put on a show. And you're like, that's great, but that show has to pay for itself. And it should be doing something that's, that is a greater good, delivering a message or, or teaching a skill or whatever that happens to be. Because exactly. then that's when it becomes part part of the the knit the the fabric of a space in an area and it becomes relevant and then mm-hmm. people care about it we were talking a little bit a, a few weeks ago about um how you know people give to what they care about if you can naturally identify what a community needs and use things like the arts or, or different nonprofits to do so well then it's part of that community and it's right there and it's really interesting to watch you when you come back to the space because I see you so confident when you come back. You know, you literally walk into your high school often because of, of the things that we do, which is not a comfortable thing it's, for most of us so in hard. life to do. My high school isn't even my high school anymore. My, they have a new no, building. Um, you know, but you come in and you have this confidence and I think even a greater connection. And and when I started this gig, I, I said to both you and your brother, like, I just never want to embarrass you guys. In fact, I want to do nothing but make you proud because I'm in your land. It's much like I feel for your dad. You know, he works there full time. This is my sandbox. You know, kind of a deal where I get to just come in and be the fairy godmother who mm-hmm. makes fun things happen. That's, and that's not what you are. <laughs> that's feels fairy go- who said that a fairy godmother could be demeaning, but I feel like you were trying. Well, to like- you know what I mean. Like, like you know, you have to be aware in life sure. of, of those things, and and especially when you're in a, a community of our size, you never want to do something that that's gonna you know um, do anything but make people very proud. I mean, that's what you well, want. You bring so. me in all the time. Sometimes I'm a big idea person. I'll be like, well, why can't you do this thing? I see this so successful in other places. And she'll stop me and she'll say, well, here are the reasons why they can't if you actually sit down and talk to this individual person with this individual scenario. I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. I don't know everything. And that's something. That Wait a minute. I'm really glad we've got that recorded. You don't know everything? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know I'm everything. And that's a lot of my philosophy of hopefully I've become more confident over the, the past few years. But it's a big part of my philosophy of just being in the world is I think we're always learning. And when we're wrong, we need to say we're wrong. Yeah. But move on from it. Because like, we're going to learn yes. from it, right? We're exactly. not wrong if we can learn from it. We're really not. You know, I mean, yes. I think. And the other, yeah. the other misnomer is that you can lead without ego, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not true. You have to have some ability to trust you and your instincts. And, mm-hmm. you know, just being able to say, yes, I can, I'm confident in this. And, and it's great that you're able to do that at such a young age. I mean, it's you're not, really not that young, but yeah. No, but I, I sound young too. So sometimes yeah. I'm talking to people on the phone particularly because my name is Rosemary, which is an old lady name, but I love Sorry. my name. It's okay. I don't consider it an old lady name, but people think so all the time. And people call me in the office like, oh, I expected someone older because of your name. Like, okay. Uh, but people will call and say, well, young lady, I've been doing this for longer than you've been alive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great. I understand you've been doing it wrong this whole time. And I'm not trying to tell you that you're doing it wrong because I don't want you to succeed, but because I want you to be able to continue doing the great work that you're doing. I just want you to do it in a system. Yeah 
sustainable way that you Mm -hmm. are following the rules and being profitable and sometimes that means that I mean we talk a lot in my office about our client versus customer our customer are the our customers are the people who license our shows our clients are our authors which is very different than many other companies yeah. and so you you have a mission that is different yes. and you you believe in it in every fiber of your company and and so it's, it's and we believe in it as employees as well that we defend our authors with everything that we have we want to make sure they're getting paid for their art sometimes people be like well we're just a school or we're just a church why can't you let us do this thing they're not going to miss that like yes these are people that we want them to be able to pay their groceries we Absolutely. want them to be able to pay for their kids to go to college and sometimes people will say well they're old they're dead what do they care if we change the language no they wrote something well and they chose it for a reason a few years ago we had a, a, a brilliant young student his name is jeffrey bob who was off at school learning um, even more about writing and i, I truly expect someday that i'm going to see see some pieces that are published by him and i remember turning to a student and i said you want to mess with these lines or you want to mess with this story but imagine if that was jeff's imagine if that was his you would go to the ends of the earth to protect his words and his piece because you you know how thoughtful he is in everything he does. The author who, who, who developed this was just as thoughtful, you know, and so it's our job to respect mm-hmm. and to help be the one who helps to tell the story, not to tell a different story, to help tell that story. Exactly. And, well, and that's a struggle, yes. yes. It is a struggle, and it's a respect, it's right? A, it's a respect. It's thing. a struggle in the arts that I feel like is not necessarily felt along across other types of of industry, right? Like you would never take someone's idea and make that into a product or or make money off of that without some kind of tangible effect of that. But in arts, we kind of we're okay with that in some weird way, right? And so it's great that Rosemary, you're defending that because the, the, there isn't a voice in that sometimes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a tough a, thing. It's a, it's a battle that we're constantly fighting, and we're, we're happy to fight. We strongly believe that the author has good intentions, and we want to defend that to the death if we have to. Yeah. <laughs> so Absolutely. right now, that has to be quite a challenge, because we are at this time when people want to stream so much. I mean, I don't think I can, I can subscribe to enough streaming services at this exact moment, right, to keep my brain busy between Netflix, Hulu, Broadway, HD. If you don't HD. use the one that I pay for, which is Disney+, Plus, you don't use <laughs> Disney+. Give, give me time. If I'm here long enough, I will. I did watch Lizzie McGuire. Okay. I mean, I watched that. But um, at, at any rate. But, you know, so people are even challenging it even more right now, right? And and there's there is there some excitement in that too though? Can you feel things changing there a little? There is a little bit and there's not a whole lot that I can talk about yet, not just because there were there's stuff still in development, but because we're still learning. Uh, we are very used mm-hmm. to being sure about what we're doing and this is kind of the game changer that we've been able to go to some of our authors and their agents saying, hey, this is the situation. Can't we do anything? Um, and on the other place too, where sometimes we have to say no because they can't stream it because there is an existing film or TV version or streaming version. And I have to tell my customers, all these teachers all over America who just want everyone to see the hard work their kids did. I have to say, no, you can't do this, but I want you to know it's not because we didn't try. The big bad wolf isn't saying no because we don't care. Everybody here knows what this means to you. And we say no, we have a good reason. Mm-hmm. And that's a yeah. hard thing. People don't always trust us in that way. So we're still learning. Child <laughs> and I understand that even at our organization levels that, that you know, yes. sometimes, and it's not that I want people to blindly trust what I do sure. and to never ever question anything or, or something like that. I'm a, a huge collaborative thinker. I, I want everybody's equal opportunity opportunity to to tell us the thoughts and things but when we're in a direction and we go and we've made a decision right there's a piece there where you're like I promise you this is for a good reason and there's a lot of great things on the horizon that is not always a no and there are lots of good stories coming out of this we just have to get through the rough stuff first and we'll 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this changes my industry. It's scary. Yeah, it's changing side. everywhere, right? It's changing mm-hmm. everyone and everywhere and, and, and asking questions of what is best practice and what does that look like and who benefits and who doesn't and how does that, yeah, how does that all play out? We're, we That's all tough. have, all three of yeah. us have industries where we are going to be talking about something very different in six months and a yeah. year and, and two yep. years from now for sure. But some things are always going to be the same. You mm-hmm. should know how your business should run, whether it's a for-profit or non-profit organization. If you ever want to talk about board governance and the way, right way to do it, I am a nerd. I will talk about that. You, jo- you joke about being such a nerd in that, but it actually warms my heart so much because you can do so much more when you have those fundamental things there because it's on short footing. Like there's a good foundation, right? Mm-hmm. So if you know how the boards run and you know those things, well, now you can have those conversations about, well, okay, how do we maximize service? How do we maximize community impact? How mm-hmm. do we make sure that we are sustainable um, for all of the people that we hire or those different, whatever those different things happen to be? So yeah. I would be interested to know, talking about things being very different, uh, you live in New York City. You live in, in Astoria, Queens, right? A beautiful, beautiful little space there for absolutely perfect for a 20-something-year-old. I love Astoria. Took you a little while to find <laughs> the perfect spot, but you really have. How do you envision that service um, may be and community impact may be in such a different atmosphere? Like when you think about your life, you know, you're still establishing your time there. You know, you've only been there for a couple of years now. But how do you see service and community impact as being a part of living in New, in New York City? Well, it goes back to the lots of little things. It's there's a, I talk about all the time. There's this lovely older gentleman who lives across the street from me. That our only interaction with each other, because he doesn't speak much English, is we say good morning every day. That's mm-hmm. all we do every morning. He's on his porch. He says good morning. I say good morning. That's it. If I don't see him, I get worried. I'm very worried for him now in these times <laughs> of crisis. I haven't seen him in two Aww, months. Um, yeah. But it's lots of little things like that. I know that if I have a problem, I can go to my corner bar, and the bartender will come and deal with whatever for me. Mm-hmm. I just know that it's... So is it about building a small community mm-hmm. within this giant metropolis? A large yes, I mean, place, yeah. And at the same time, Astoria is probably about the size of Palmyra like mm-hmm. it's it's a small town within this big city and there's tons of people I don't know but it is about finding that small network it's just my block these are all people who just live on my block mm-hmm. it's about finding the small group of people to have a relationship with and have shared interests with and shared goals with that's mm-hmm. what it's about mm-hmm. yeah it's really interesting like when you think about it in, in that kind of fashion mm-hmm. for sure absolutely yeah So Mm -hmm. one of the things I'm always interested in, you know, being a social worker and and sort of my line of work is how do you deal with schools that maybe don't have as much as other schools? And what does that look like for your company? And, you know, you talked a little bit about like, well, I'm just a school, like, you know, can you help us out kind of thing? But do you have some kind of built in programming that will help schools to expose children to, to the arts that may not otherwise be able to? Yes and no. A lot of it is the same for everyone. Uh, A lot of it is different based off of what you have. So when you submit a license application through our website, you're going to take a couple of things into consideration. And some are based off of the show that you're doing because some shows are premiere and have their own set of rules and restrictions for how fees are calculated. But typically we calculate it using the size of your venue, the ticket price, and the number of performances because it's all about how much the author's work is being exposed. Mm-hmm. So you would hope that in that case, say a Title I school would charge less for tickets or have a smaller venue that we could give them the resources and could give them lower fees. Uh, sometimes what we see is that that's not the case and say, but we're just a Title I school. Yes, but you're exposing the work just the same way that another group yeah. would be. Mm-hmm. So it's sure. tricky. And we see a lot that sometimes Title I schools does mean it does, doesn't mean that they're not getting the funding 
that other groups are. Uh, a lot of times they, they're actually getting more state and national funding than other groups are. So it's it's That's sometimes tricky. schools that aren't Title One are the ones that actually really really need the mm-hmm. support. So yeah, we see some sure. of that, and you and you understand both sides of it, right? I and do. so you know, my theory yeah. of this is always it, it's very easy to become extremely catty over funding mm-hmm. and things oh, like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, my my you've heard me say this probably a million times in your life. For me, that is such wasted energy. Isn't I'm it? like I could I could spend my time being catty and jealous of something else, or I could spend that time brainstorming with you and with other people and other colleagues. Um, and figuring out the ways that I can actually do the best and raise, you know, raise the funds to do the best for the students. Exactly. While so. yeah. still protecting our authors, if their work is being used in that way, we need to make sure that they are compensated the same way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So There's it's, a fairness. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's tough because, you know, there are things that are mm-hmm. definitely regarded higher in communities than theater programs mm-hmm. or arts programs. Sure. That, There's that so much tough. competition. So much competition, yeah. right? Yeah. And I get this mm-hmm. in a lot of... A lot of places don't always understand that, but we get that so much. Our staff, we're playwrights and writers and mm-hmm. authors and, and composers. We you're, get that. You're really diplomatic about the whole thing, though. So it's really interesting for me because, um, you know, yes, I'm your mom and we are we are so close and we have the relationship and theater has been a part of our relationship always. But we're also colleagues in this, you know, what is no longer a small world, right? Because I can, anytime that I get onto like a... a theater director, uh, teacher, forum of some type, you're in there commenting Usually and, and, and the, those types of things. And <laughs> you have this extremely strong voice in this, yeah. in this world. Yeah, but you have this very strong voice. And Part it's interesting. It because I'm temperamental and just don't want the wrong information out there. <laughs> and if there's, if there's any opportunity to share the good news, share mm-hmm. the, the how this should work and how that's not always a bad thing. Like if it is a Title I school and unfortunately we do have to charge the same fee we're charging for everyone else, here's why. Here's why the art mm-hmm. matters. Here's why your students' art matters. That if they are writers yep. later on in life, they yep. should become right. Absolutely. But the time you take, yep. like I watch this all the time, the time you take to explain that builds these virtual relationships and it's it's really interesting because I see, you know, I'll see a teacher jump on and, and say, you know, I just need to rant to people who understand like me so and so didn't support us this week or, or something happened and it's really interesting to see you not rosemary my daughter but rosemary my colleague who who's part of the licensing world from new york city jump in and say you know here's some suggestions i know this didn't go the way that you wanted it to but have you ever thought about your students raising money in this way mm-hmm. or have you ever thought about you know trying to to do some type of fundraiser uh, that's this type of thing and you're constantly trying to help people sort of problem solve that piece um, do it's you, different in different communities. Well, and do, but do you yeah. do you see that as the service as a service you provide? Like I see you do. Like you jump on there, and you give this unbelievably free advice. Like literally, it's the, it's the conversations that they could be having with you through your your occupation. But you're sort of putting on this like gentler, kinder, like let me help um, mold this into a productive space sure. instead of a negative space kind of thing. Do you see that as a service that you're providing um, to people in that kind of way? Like you know, I'm a theater consultant, and maybe, here's my service. Maybe. Like do you think about it that way though i didn't used to and i have this boss um, who's no longer with my company but he's a wonderful person he actually has his own podcast called uh how would you do this and it's um, oh we'll have to check him out Mm -hmm. oh i like it yeah you can cut that part out (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) he's a he's a really great person and he said i know you said you never wanted to be a teacher but you teach people all the time and you're very diplomatic about the way you teach people. You never try to make them feel stupid, even if something didn't go their way or they're being indignant and they're just not getting their way and that's why they're mad. So having someone else say, you know you're a teacher, right? 
I was like, yes. You know what? I kind of am. I kind of am on the same level with all these teachers I interact with every day. Mm-hmm. Well, and in many yeah. ways, your influence, you know, when you're influencing the teachers and then they're taking that to their students, um, you you spread that so far and so wide. I've had a, a really great experience. Two times I've been able to be part of Broadway Dreams. And when I talked to the founder, Annette, uh, Tanner there, and I said to her, like, you don't know what it means for me to be here. And she goes, you don't know what it means for me to know that you're taking what you learned here and you're taking it back to your okay. students. So. Yeah. Like, like it, it reminds me of the conversations that we have about being able to be thankful to someone. You know, I was, I'm so indebted to her to have had that experience. It was life changing for me, not once, but twice. And for her to say, but all I need you to do in return is take this back and, and share it. And you're doing much of the same thing. You know, when you influence those teachers, yeah. it's then doing that down. You know, I'm amazed at how much we've been able to teach our students about the, the business side of theater. It's very important to me that they know it can't just be, let's put on a show. Like, that's Why, not. Let's do Wicked. That's when not actually. Oh my god! I think that we should do the Book of Mormon next year. I'm like, guys, are you on crack? You can't fucking do that. That's not really a thing. But but this also then mm-hmm. calls into question, you know, the the whole imposter syndrome thing. Oh. Like, at what what point Stop are looking you looking al- at me? Are you allowed to own, like, yeah, I can do this and I am a subject matter expert or I'm not, but I'm close to it. Or, you know, I have I have enough experience to be to have an opinion about this. And, you know, I think, you know, we're all kind of young enough to still have that that oh that gosh, complex. Yes. Yeah. I think about like we're we're all short people. I think about our stature <laughs> and how that plays into like how we're taken seriously or not. How we sound. You talked about Rosemary about like sounding young and so like all of those things play into you know us being taken as a professional and then how that makes us think about ourselves as professionals right so like this imposter yeah this Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome is this thing that just keeps playing as a reel in your head and it changes over time it changes from one thing to the next to the next but also not compromising who you are because of that i am young i sound young i'm short I like to wear pink and floral, and I'm a girly girl, and I probably dress younger than I should. That doesn't help. And some people have said, like, oh, why wouldn't you just try to dress older then? And I see teachers talk about, mm-hmm. like, how, how do you get, are you going to get your students to respect you if you don't dress like a teacher do these things? And I don't want to compromise who I am. I want to become confident in who I am. And that's taken yeah. a lot of work, and I'm still on that journey. Well, that, so. but I think that confidence... Let me know how it works out. I was going to say, let me know how that works I, I, I think it's working out well for you, and I, and I sure hope it continues to. But I think that confidence does. It is like wearing the grown-up clothing. You know what I mean? When uh-huh. you, with that confidence and that piece and that kind of deal. Speaking of confidence, I'm confident that you know the answer to these next few questions. Oh, which is... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. What is your favorite frou-frou coffee drink? You know, you can't go wrong with a, a caramel macchiato. You just can't. They're so good, and they don't mess them up at Starbucks. They're the same everywhere, and that's what I like about okay. it. The caramel cloud macchiato, I like all the foam because it's made of skim milk, and it doesn't make me, yes. so, it makes me happy. So if I had to pick a frou-frou <laughs> coffee, I would do that. I have a big tea drinker, though, too. Yeah, you're, you're a London fog drinker with London me, too. Fog. Yeah, we're London, London fog drinkers, fog. for sure. Yeah. So, booze. So what's your favorite cocktail or booze? It depends. It depends. It changes quite often, but I really, really love Manhattan's. Manhattan. Oh, oh I, I didn't like living Manhattan. in Manhattan, but I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Manhattan for four months. And Trading one for the other. Well, you had, mm-hmm. that was crazy. We won't go there, but that you was. Did. <laughs> oh, my God. 
But you survived it. I know. That's I a whole did. podcast of its own, my friend. That you know? is act one of Anxiety, the musical. It's just that story. <laughs> There's a tap number in act two called Imposter Syndrome. There you go. I feel oh, like this perfect. is great. Yes, when I you open it. this show, we most definitely need yes. front row tickets for sure. Yes. I, I worry that it As will be. If. I, say, I, I worry that we'll be a little bit represented in there somewhere. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Don't tell us. We'll have to pick it out. Let us pick it out who we are. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Don't tell, tell us for sure. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So, so we talked a little bit about it, but why don't you give us a, a, a more formal, like, what is your passion? What are the things that you care about? Sure. My passion is storytelling in the business of storytelling and making that sustainable in different kinds of communities and, and places uh, and circumstances. So this is possibly right now all that's going on with us, our economy. I have a feeling this is going to be the biggest challenge that I've encountered so far, mm-hmm. but um, even more, I always say that the biggest challenge I had doing that in the past is when I was in grad school and I was learning about art and how to facilitate art, but I wasn't making art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually started podcasting and did a narrative podcast for a while and met some wonderful collaborators that way. And I think this is going to be an even bigger challenge than that because it's not just me and my apartment in Boston trying to figure out how to continue, continue to be an artist. It's mm-hmm. me trying to figure out how to make art sustainable in schools all over the U.S. and Canada. And I'm not alone. We have an entire team of wonderful people to help mm-hmm. me out um, in this. But to know way. that you want to keep that passion going yes. um, through through every day, mm-hmm. let alone through difficult times like this, you know, but to, to have that passion to say, I want to make sure that, that the world can make art and, mm-hmm. and do that and to tell those stories. Well, that's a great place to be. Yeah, so. I think it is too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. We need art. We need art in our lives. We do. It, it, brings, it brings so much. Yeah, and not just absolutely. art in this place, art everywhere. And anyone can be an artist. Mm-hmm. I always like to talk about Ratatouille because it's such a good and cute movie, but that anyone can be a chef. It's not that mm-hmm. anyone should be a chef, but it's just that a chef can be anyone. Art can come from anywhere in any circumstance. And I think it's our duty to make sure that that happens. Well, and we need it. I mean, look look mm-hmm. around right now. I'm not sure what anyone would be doing without music or without film or without art right now. You know, the amount of mm-hmm. people who I see who are picking up and creating and truly having to create. It has been unbelievably inspiring. I can't keep up with all that is being created online right now. And that's a wonderful problem and a wonderful world to be in. But we should compensate our, our artists. Oh, definitely. And I was yeah. an authors because I'm used to saying it. We should compensate our artists all the time. So we shouldn't cut funding and we should support what the National Endowment for the Arts does because they do it on such a large scale and it's mm-hmm. very important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, These times and always, definitely. So. Yes, for sure. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it was wonderful you. to talk with you today. Yeah, so, uh, this was thanks. great. Especially since I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, so while you walk back to your childhood bedroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you. Bye, Rosemary. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. I'm Shyla. And I'm Jasmine. And we're thriving in a small town. It's caffeinated Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink.